0: Good morning. If you would please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6. As you're turning there, I'll remind you that uh, our senior pastor, Dr. Weldon, is on sabbatical this month, and we started last week a new series, a study in the book of De- Deuteronomy called This is the Life. So we will continue on today looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6, but uh, uh, remind you that this is a great time for you all to be praying for our senior pastor as he's uh, gone for the month, be praying that he gets an opportunity to be uh, refreshed, that he'll grow in the knowledge of the Lord as he, I'm sure he spends uh, more time in, in the scriptures uh, this month and, and that uh, come February he'll come back uh, ready to continue leading the charge that he, he's leading us on each and every week. So uh, be praying for him while he is on his sabbatical. Uh, before we look at our, our passage before us this morning, I just want to remind you what's going on here in Deuteronomy as we get to uh, chapter 6. Chapter 5, last week we looked at uh, uh, the giving of the, the law for the second time and, and uh, all of Israel has gathered together on this day uh, to hear what it is that the Lord would have them do as they are about to enter into the promised land. We noted last week that uh, there's a lot of similarities to uh, Uh, what was going on in the days of Deuteronomy and what's going on in our world today. So we should take great heart at what we read this morning. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And remember, this is the word of God. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come this morning to this passage of your holy gospel, we would ask that your spirit would be poured out here in this place today. May we all grow in the knowledge of the Lord through your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Often when we think about the call to missions, we think about maybe going to live out in the jungle in Africa or or something like that. And to be sure, there, there are is need for many workers to go all around the world to take the gospel of Jesus Christ out all, to all parts of the world. However, part of our wonderful inheritance of being part of a covenant family is we're called not just to take the, wor- the word of God cross-culturally, but also to take it cross-generationally. So let me stress that it doesn't matter if you're 8 or if you're 88, you are called to teach the next generation about the truths of God. There's not many things in the Bible that the Lord is more clear on than that one generation should be teaching the next generation the truth of God. So when I talk about this morning teaching our children, let me emphasize I'm not just speaking of our biological children. But I'm talking about our children in the context of the covenant of God. Every child is your child here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. So by keeping the nursery or teaching a class or maybe leading a discipleship group, uh, you are teaching our children. The way you treat your spouse teaches our children. The way we treat one another, the way we interact with one another, teaches our children. Once again, the truth is that the Great Commission is both cross-cultural and cross-generational. The Great Commission is not optional. Therefore, we need to be sure we are serving as God has called us to serve. And God works from one generation to the next. So there's going to be four keys that we're going to be looking at this morning of how it is that we teach Jesus to others. The first is the love is to love the truth of God with all of our hearts. The next is to teach the truth of God to our children, followed by to teach the truth of God to others, then finally to study the truth of God daily. Let's start with love the truth of God with all of our heart. How do we love God with all of our hearts. This morning, as we started our worship service, Mark called us to worship, singing what's known as the, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And, and it would have been very much what would have happened in the days that we're speaking of here in Deuteronomy, where all God's people would have come together and, and the worship leader would have called them to worship, singing. Just like that. And we're told here in verse 5 that we shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So God has all of his people gather and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your might. Well, how do we do that? How do we love God that completely? It's, it's, it's like being an athlete in training. With the, the, the Summer Olympics are coming up in, in uh, August in London, and already athletes all around, around the world are, are giving it their all to be ready to compete in the Olympics. Everything that they do is based around being ready to to perform. And that's the same type of commitment that God is calling us to in his word this morning. All your heart, all your soul, all your might. God is calling his people to love him completely. And that is what we need to do. See, loving God involves more than just keeping his law. Don't get me wrong, God does want us to be doers of his law. But he wants all of us, a real heartfelt love. Proverbs 23, 26 tells us, My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes keep to my ways. Do you give your heart to God? Psalm fifty-one, seventeen. the sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. This is what God is calling for, from us as his people to give to him. You know, often we, we think about God and our relationship, and we immediately start thinking about being law keepers. And, and all of a sudden, the law seems like a, a big burden somehow, but that's not what God intends from his people. He wants us to love him with all of our hearts. And when we do, we'll see that his law It's not a burden, but it's actually a tool to help us enjoy our relationship with Him even more. It's no different than having a small child who's coming close to a hot stove and we're saying, don't touch the stove to that child. We're we're not saying that to be mean to the child. We're not saying that to take away the joy of the child. We say that because we love the child and we know what's best. And, and, And it's exactly the same way that we should look at God's law. It is, it, it is there for our benefit. One of the ways that, that we love God, or show God our love, it is through our worship. Last week, we started to look at our verse of the year a little bit. That's found in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And throughout the different uh, uh, information centers, the, these cards are there. And I encourage you to, to pick, one or two up for for your house, your office or whatever, take it home. It's our verse of the year for for, uh, 2012. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, I see the day drawing near. The Lord Jesus is coming back. So I want to encourage you, as this verse says, that we should not to neglect to meet together. Talking about Sunday mornings in worship and other times when the church is coming together. I encourage you to be here, to have your families here. Let me be very clear. When, when you are here with your families, you are telling your families, this is important. We are to be here because God calls us to. He encourages us to, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to come together. Let me be equally clear that when you choose not to, when you put the things of the world, be it extracurricular activities or or sports or a job or whatever, ahead of meeting together, you're sending a signal to your family. You're telling your children. These things, well, they're more important than the things of the Lord. We may try to get together with our children later and say, now now, you know that we don't really think it, but the reality of it is our actions speak much, much more loud than, than our uh, words ever do. So I encourage you to come together. Do not ne- neglect meeting together in 2012 as we come together each and every week for the purpose of glorifying our Lord Jesus Christ together. See, loving our Lord with all of our heart should not be a hard task. When, when we do this, when we love the Lord with all, our, all of our heart, you know what we're doing? What we're doing is we're, we're imitating Jesus. Jesus is the great lover of God and God is the great lover of the world. This is that, when we think about that, that love that Jesus has for his people, that this is the, uh, that all, all, all type of love that we read about in verse 5. Jesus himself c- confirms this as the great commandment in, in Mark 12 when he tells us, uh, when we read, uh, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. When we think about teaching Jesus, the most important thing is for us to become a lover of God when we're a lover of God then we'll be motivated to teach others how much do you love God do you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might well, if the first lesson is to love the, the truth of God with all of our hearts, and the second lesson that, that we read here in our text this morning is that we should teach the truths of God to our children. This is a, the uh, covenantal approach of teaching Jesus. Once again, all of Israel is gathered. And, and with that Shema, where, where, God, where, where the, the leader would sing out, Hear, O Israel. He wants everyone to know these truths. And you better believe it was important for the children who are gathered to also hear the truth. We should not neglect to teach our children the truths of God. The reality of it of it is it's a parent's duty, it's our parents' diligence, and it's a parent's delight. To teach their children. When I say it's a parent's duty, I'm saying that we are called to this task, that there's really no hiding from it. Most of the parents in here know Proverbs 22:6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that sounds good, and that's encouraging, and many of us have clung to that verse often but I want you to understand it's a proverb. And so it it has more than just that quick, simple meaning that we might think of. When we look at it more closely, it actually can be translated, train up a child in his own way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. See, it's it's a blessing, but it's also a warning that if we allow our children to go their own way, that when they grow old, that's the way they're going to be. It's our, it is absolutely our duty to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. It also takes great diligence as parents to do this. It takes, it takes a lot of work. Look at, look at verse 7. You shall teach them, and that's our children, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Parents, we should be teaching our children the things of the Lord throughout the day, each and every day. Don't miss those opportunities to share the truths of God with your children. It's, it's, it's a wonderful way to constantly teach God, is to just pay attention to what's going on in the world. Don't let that sunset Set and just say, oh, isn't that a pretty sunset? Talk about the, the wonder of our Creator and, and the glorious uh, being that He must be to be able to create so wonderfully well. When your children come to you saying, I don't understand my math homework, sit down and help them. Talk about how we have a God of order and that we can rejoice that our God is, is that way. Look for ways to to share Christ throughout each and every day. This is what we're told to do here in verse 7. That's also a parent's delight to teach their children. When the disciple John was writing in 3 John, talking about his spiritual children, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And as a parent, there, there is no greater joy than to hear that your children are walking in the truth. Teach them. Don't just teach them the law, but teach them to love God. Notice what, where this comes in, in, in this text here. If it There's no chapter breaks in the original, so you would have had the giving of the Ten Commandments in chapter 5 as we see them, and it would continue right into uh, what is the greatest commandment. And and what we see here is uh, we're we're told to teach our children right after we read, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Teach your children not just to be obedient, but to love God. God. Part of being a covenant family is every time we have a child baptized here, we ask the congregation if they agree to raise their hand, that they will will pray for and support and encourage those that are are bringing the the, the child here. That we will take responsibility in helping raise up this child in the way that they should go. And, And I hope that you don't take that vow lightly that when you raise your hand you're saying to yourself how am i going to serve this family what am i going to do to teach this child that's the way the lord would have us do it missions is both cross-cultural and cross-generational though some of my thinking has changed some Uh, in some of my trips to England, and I I think that the uh, the toll of World War I and II on that country and and what it has done to uh, the church in that country is probably something that I have not considered over the years. Uh, One thing that I still think is, is very true is that even though England one day was a great country for sending out missionaries all over the world, and now we're sending missionaries to England, One of the reasons that that has happened is because one generation failed to tell the next generation. May it never be so with us. I read something this week. I don't know how people calculate this, and I'm going to take it as true, though I I can't verify it, but I read something this week that said 50% of the world's population is under 25 years old. The time to act, church, is now. We must be teaching the next generation. If we're going to, we should love God so much that we want to tell our children about him. But not just our children, we should want to tell others. In Mark 12, Jesus goes on to say that the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God first, love others second. You see, the great commandment, loving God, and the great commission, loving others, are always linked together. We cannot love God and our neighbor and not tell them about Jesus. When we tell others about Jesus, we're fulfilling both the great commandment and the great commission. Y'all maybe noticed that we're building a new building out here, and it's coming along great. But you see, the purpose of this building is not just to say, look, we've expanded our square footage here at St. Andrews. It's to teach our youth, and when we renovate downstairs, it's to teach our children, and it's to reach out to our community to teach others about the love of Jesus. As I, I walk through that building every day and I pray for everybody that I see as I'm walking by there and I'm praying for, for the use of that building. And one thing that's kind of struck me this week as I was walking through there is, is some of the very large toolboxes that, that these people use that are, that are building this building. And, and as I was looking at it, I thought, well, it's kind of interesting because what they're doing is they're building us a very large toolbox that we can use this building for the glory of God and for the expansion of his kingdom in in the years to come. That's the way we need to look at at our community and what we're doing here is is that we love the people in this community and we want to reach out for them. Jesus' work on the cross on our behalf should so transform us that we should want to tell others about Christ. The son is the focus of the father's love and he should be the focus of our love also. We cannot love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might and not tell others about the good news of Jesus. Well, do you love God completely? Are you raising your children To love God? Are you reaching out to others and telling them about Jesus? Some of you may think, well, you've kind of stepped on my toes this morning. Well, I've kind of stepped on my own, I'll be honest with you. You might be asking yourself, how do I become more effective in teaching my children and others? Well, here's the answer. We can best love Jesus... And teach others the love of God by being people of the word of God. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me for a moment. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is some extreme keeping the word of God in front of you right here. But this is exactly what some of the Israelite people ended up doing is they, they would write the truth of God and, and they would tie them to, to their cloaks so that they always had them here. Some of them would put frontlets with, with the truth of God right, right here so that no matter where they went, they could always look up and be reminded uh, of, of God's word. It's always that idea of always having the word of God in front of us. And we can do the same thing. And we don't have to dress like that. See, Christ is the Logos. John 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When we spend time in the Word, we spend time with Jesus. We want to be people that are known as people that spend time with Jesus. Remember when uh, Peter and John were arrested in, in the book of Acts, And and, and, when they're trying to figure out exactly who they were, people said, I know them. They're people that spent time with Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great way for people to refer to us? Oh, I know her. I know him. They spend time with Jesus. Give you a practical application here. On January 21st, we were having this Christian education conference here at the church. It would benefit everyone in this room to be present that day as we learn about being equipped for ministry. You see, Christ came that we might have life and have it abundantly. God wants us to study his word, not so that it becomes some sort of burden to us, not so that uh, it, it becomes tiresome to us, but so that we can have abundant Lives. And so that we can teach our children to love God. Not just so that they'll be dutiful, but so that they will have abundant lives. The next couple of chapters in the book of Deuteronomy warns people what happens when you take your eyes off the Lord. It's not a, a real pretty sight, to be honest with you. We don't want to be those people. Instead, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, we grow in our capacity to show Christ to others by being like Christ. And we're made like Christ by the transforming power of his word. And we're, when we are transformed through the love of God, then we can teach others about his truth. Christ has not called us to do anything that he's not willing to lead the way in. In our text here this morning, we see that we're called to love in a way that, that almost seems impossible. Yet Christ's love for his people is deeper and truer and more perfect than what he's calling us for. We should want to tell others the story of Jesus and his love. And we can do this best when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might when we give our all for Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word and the time that we've had this morning to look at it. Father, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would not just let the words sit here in the air and go away, but that he would take them and, and, and drive them deep into our hearts, that we'd be changed because of your word.